Anything Ghost, number 301. Welcome to Anything Ghost. My name is Lex Wall. Anything Ghost is a place where people share their personal paranormal experiences, aka ghost stories, and local ghost legends. If you have a story you want to share, send it to Lex at anythingghost.com. You can either record it yourself and send me the audio file, but no music or effects in the background, or send me a text file and I'll read it myself. Stick around for 301. get this episode started with a story from Gary in the U.S. Eerie Occurrences. In 2010, my family and I purchased our first home. It was a bittersweet year due to the death of my grandmother, to whom I was very close. But we were also happy for the news of my wife expecting our second child. For a few months after moving in, everything was perfect, until one night. The first incident occurred when my wife and I were lying in bed. My wife and I were talking when I noticed a dim blue light illuminating the hallway. The light started dim and gradually became a bright blue. It lasted about eight seconds. I asked my wife, Do you see what I see? She responded wide-eyed, Yes, what is that? Before I could investigate, the blue light started to dim out and soon the hallway was dark again. I could not find the source of the blue light, nor could I come up with any rational explanation. The next morning my wife received a call from her father, informing her that her grandfather had passed away the night before. My wife took solace in the fact that the blue light could have been her grandfather saying his last goodbye before going into the afterlife. Living in that house was different compared to our other houses we'd lived in, due to the fact that we always felt like we were being watched. A few years after this, my wife had our third child. When he started to crawl, he would play with his toys in the kitchen while my wife was cooking dinner. After a while, she noticed that our child would stare into the corner of the ceiling in our dining room as if mesmerized by something. My wife would call his name, but he wouldn't respond. When she finally got his attention, she asked him what he was staring at. He turned around with a terrified look on his face and pointed at the corner of the ceiling. This gave my wife instant goosebumps. She quickly scooped him up off the floor, and as she took him a few steps into the dining room with him in her arms, he started to cry in panic as she walked further into the dining room. Later on that week, he was playing once again in the kitchen, and something quickly caught his eye, and he started staring 
at the same corner of the dining room ceiling as before. We started to get concerned that we were not alone. The next incident happened a short time later. My wife was folding clothes in my son's bedroom when she distinctly heard my oldest daughter calling her, yelling, Mom. My wife responded with, I'm in here, but there was no reply. Curious, she walked out into the hallway and noticed that the kids and I were outside playing in the backyard and that she was alone in the house. She walked outside and asked our daughter if she had called for her. With a puzzled look on her face, our daughter replied, No, Mom, I have not been inside. A few weeks later, I stayed up late watching a movie. I decided to take a shower before bed. After I got out of the shower, I clearly heard my wife call my name. I responded by saying that I was in the bathroom, but there was no reply. I quickly got dressed and stepped out, only to find my wife fast asleep in our bedroom. The next morning, I asked her if she needed something while I was in the shower the night before. She told me she had not called for me. Other unexplainable things have happened, such as our doorbell ringing close to midnight when nobody was there, things that were not in their place as if they were moved, and the overall feeling that we were not alone. This all prompted me to do a little research on our home to see if there was anything that would explain the occurrences we've been experiencing. To no avail, there was no history on our home. But we did find out that two houses down, two children were murdered over a decade before we moved in. The last eerie thing that happened came in more of the form of a dream. Back in 2014, on Christmas morning, we were awoken by our children, excited to open presents. That morning was a cold and rainy day, and I decided to take a nap later that day. I was awakened in a dream state by a knocking. In the dream, I could not turn on any lights, and the house was still fairly dark because of the weather. I could also hear the rain pouring outside. I heard the knocking again and walked out into the hallway to see who was at the door. I could tell the knocking was coming from our back door. I opened the door and saw an elderly man standing in the doorway. I asked him, Can I help you? He replied, Can you help me? Son, I live here. I woke up somewhat bothered by the dream. Five years later, I sold my house to that man. And the next story is from Diana in the U.S. Pet Nanny. I've been a pet nanny for over 20 years now. And this is one of the encounters I've had over all this time. I know people will think I'm nuts, but all I know is that it happens to me a lot, and I've learned not to question it. Trigger warning, this story involves the death of a pet. This is one of the first completely astonishing things that has happened to me. I was taking care of two Dalmatian dogs. I saw them every afternoon and took them for walks to stretch their legs. After both did their business, we would head back home for fresh water and treats. 
I think I'd been caring for them for over three years, when one of them, the male, became ill. He got sick very quickly, and his health declined rapidly. The owner, of course, was doing everything she could to help with vet visits and medication. I kept going every day, but not for walks, just to make sure he was doing okay and to clean up any accidents. He was such a sweet, loving boy, and I could tell he was distressed about this quick turn of his health. I would sit beside and talk with him, trying to comfort him. One day as I was leaving, I turned and said, See you guys Monday. The male turned his head toward me, and I heard in my head, clear as a day, I won't be here Monday. To say I was shocked is an understatement. I shook my head to clear my thoughts and said, What? to the poor dog. I heard it again in my head, I won't be here Monday. Totally shocked and stricken, I gave him a half-hearted smile and said, I love you, mostly because I didn't know what to do or to think. Monday afternoon came, and as usual, I went to the house, opened the door, and only saw the female in there. A note on the counter from the owner explained how the male dog had taken a drastic turn for the worse and had passed Saturday late afternoon. I slumped to the floor, crying. I held my head down on my knees. I pulled them up to me, just sobbing. I felt the female on one side of me trying to comfort me. And on the other side, I felt the male dog trying to comfort me as well. I did not raise my head, but just tried to understand what was going on. Was it grief, or was he actually beside me? I smelled his breath, and his presence was unmistakably beside me. People who have dogs can understand when I say, I know the essence of this dog. It was him. I still didn't lift my head because I didn't want to break the moment. I needed to feel him next to me. I was sniffling at that point, and both dogs were there to comfort me. I mumbled thank you because it meant so much to me. When I finally raised my head, of course I only saw the female dog. She licked the tears from my face. I could tell she was also sad from the loss of her companion through the years. I hugged her neck, and we shared our grief. The next day when I showed up and opened the door, I could have sworn both dogs were cuddled up in the huge dog bed that they shared. This happened for the next few weeks. I would see glimpses of the male dog running, or feel him in the house. He stayed close to the female, and I felt like he was trying to help her through their grief and mine. He was there, I know it was him. And over the next few months, the presence of the spirit was less and less. The female dog had come to terms with her friend's absence. We both still missed him terribly, but I felt he was there to help us through. I remembered over and over the last day with him when I heard, I won't be here Monday. It was so matter of fact, and I felt he knew he was ready to move on. That was many years ago. This type of thing has happened to me many times over. I have learned so much from dogs 
And one thing I know in my heart is that they have souls just like we do. So maybe this true story of my experience will bring some kind of comfort to people. I have so many other stories like this, but this was my first experience and I'll never forget it. And the next story we have is from Anthony in Texas. Follow up on a 2016 story, Shadow Figures in the Bushes. I sent my story in a few years ago, and you featured it on an episode. I think it was 2016 or 2017, Shadow Figures in the Bushes. I have a follow up on one of my tales. I told the story of seeing a long-legged, dog-like creature that bounded like a deer. Last year I discovered what it was. It's called Cadejo, a creature from Latin America folklore. There are two types, the white Cadejo and the black Cadejo. The black Cadejo is akin to the modern western hellhound. The white Cadejo is word-for-word word from Wikipedia said to look like a dog, but is not a dog, has deer-like hooves, and moves like a deer, rather than a dog. I still get chills when I read this description. It fits the creature to a T. I wasn't close enough to see its feet, but if not for its aggressive, Doberman-like stance, I would have assumed it was a deer because of its color and the way it moved. To make the situation even more abnormal, the white Cadejo is said to protect late-night travelers on their journeys. The night I saw the creature was during a time I was employed as an overnight stalker in a large department store. I lived in a small town nearly an hour from the store and would drive between 1 and 2 in the morning to get to work. I was largely sleep-deprived during this time and would often doze off while driving. It's a miracle I never wrecked. Before finding this, I never heard of the Cadejo. I'm totally unfamiliar with Latin American folklore, and this felt out of the blue when I came across it. I wasn't even looking for it. I was researching other paranormal entities and stumbled across the Cadejo. Did I see a white Cadejo? I don't know. It's a creature found in stories specifically from the area of Central America, just south of Mexico, like Honduras, Guatemala, and Nicaragua. I live in Texas, which isn't a huge geographical jump from that region. On a separate note, your show got me through months of my time as an overnight stalker. I was bored to tears in that position, not to mention sleep-deprived, and I have fond memories of listening to your show while placing endless numbers of shoes and clothing on sales floor fixtures. And Anthony is in the uh, VIP group and he said he was unable to find this, but I actually found it. It was from December of 2017. And the Anything Ghost group, the Anything Ghost VIP group is a place where I house the complete archive of Anything Ghost stories. So it's 17 years of Every anything goes story that was uh, that's available, and you can join it for a one-time fee. For more information, go to anythingghost.com, join VIP. But I'm not going to make you pay to to listen to Anthony's old story. I I found it real quick, so I, I want to drop it in here. 
so you can hear what he was talking about. He reads two or three stories, and it's the last one on the file that he submitted. So without further ado, here's Anthony from Texas again, and this is from December of 2017. Hi there, Lex and Anything Ghost listeners. My name is Anthony, and I'm from Texas. Uh, I have a few stories here today, but I just wanted to lead off by saying I'm somewhat of a skeptic about the paranormal. I'm definitely a see-it-to-believe-it kind of person, and I haven't outright experienced anything that is just undeniable proof of the paranormal. But on the same note, I don't completely disbelieve either. I'm more kind of on the fence, just intrigued but not sure. So I'm definitely more inclined to write things off as tricks of the mind or, you know, just just an odd occurrence rather than say it's paranormal, but that's not completely out of the question, especially when it comes to the few stories I have today. Uh, so the first one is by far the spookiest one, and uh, the event happened when I was little, like 10 or 11 years old, but I didn't find out the paranormal, potentially paranormal side of it until actually a couple years ago. Uh, so it's my friend and I were like 10 years old, and we're, we're on the street that I grew up on, and really close, you know, there was a little, there was a pretty tight-knit group, just me and two other guys, they were about the same age, and we were in the same grade, and they're thick as thieves. Uh, just, you know, every spare moment we got, we'd be running to the other's house or running around outside. And for, I don't remember why, but today it was just two of us, or this day it was only two of us. And so we're running around playing pretend, and how it usually would go is we go out to play, and as it's starting to get dark, uh, one of our parents would step out to watch us for that last little bit of daylight. And then once it was late enough or dark enough, they'd say, all right, come on, let's go inside. And then just watch as each child made their way home, because all of our houses were within eyesight of one another and uh, so it's you know typical day I think it was in the summer because I was spending the night at that friend's house and that generally doesn't happen during the school week and so we're playing and his mom steps out to watch us and it's getting dim but it's not dark yet uh, and so and all of a sudden his mom calls us over and we're, we're kind of confused and she's telling us it's time to come inside and so we come running over and get to her and I, I remember this now I remember getting to her and she looked afraid and that's highly unusual for this family in particular my friend and his brother and his parents I've never ever once other than in that moment seen them afraid of anything you know they're very well educated very rational people they're hard to scare and she looked afraid so that's that's unusual and being a 10 year old I just kind of ran inside, did what I was told, and five minutes later, I forgot about it. Fast forward about 10 years, and I was having a conversation with my mom, and she talked about going to lunch with my friend's mom, and they got on the topic of paranormal ghost stuff, and uh, come to find out, my friend's mom divulged to my mom that she's had some paranormal instances before, and those are great stories that, well, I that's wrong to call them stories there i mean it happened to her and she's not fond of them and i don't have permission to go into those so i won't touch that subject but she did bring up that evening talking about calling us in early and you know i once we started talking about it i remembered that evening that memory was buried it didn't matter but i you know i just kind of slowly came back and i just i just remembered one 
odd evening where we were called in early because other than that instance it was that same rule where we're out till dark basically and so she's talking about it and she tells my mom that she came outside to watch us and you know heard us inside once it got dark and as she is watching us out of the corner of her eye on one side of the street there was a dark figure in the bushes or like behind the bushes watching us she said she couldn't make out the details out of the corner of her eye and when she looked to you know to see what was there there was nothing nothing there at all and then she looked back at us and in the corner of her eye there it was again that dark shape and she said from what little bit she could make out it looked like a man and that's all she could really tell was just this dark man and she said there was just an evil presence feeling kind of emanating from the figure and so of course that's you know that's freaky enough to scare you and then she's looking in the corner or looking at us and out of the corner of her eye on the opposite side of the street then there's this light-haired woman she says and i mean there was more of a protective sense i think that kind of put those fears to rest but the other figure was scary enough to call us in early and you know, just just thinking about that i can imagine and it, with both figures it was the same she could see them out of the corner of her eye looking at us but when she looked to those spots those figures were gone and thinking back to that now as an adult as like just imagining myself as an oblivious child and looking at it from the adult's perspective it is terrifying and it is terrifying to me to know that happened and you know that and i wouldn't i would not even suggest that she was making this up you know these this is the kind of family they're very honest and pretty much anything they're going to tell me i will believe 100% and i don't I, that's not something to take lightly i don't just believe people off of nothing so that's my first story uh you know that was you know i mean it happened to me kind of indirectly didn't know about it till past few years but all the same it's it freaks me out thinking about it honestly so uh second story is hard to classify as paranormal in my mind because there could be something going on that i'm just simply unaware of but that still could be in that realm so there is a legend in san antonio that there's a spot of railroad tracks that apparently in the 60s there was a school bus full of children got stuck on the tracks got hit by a train and all the children died and as the legend goes if you go around midnight and turn off your car and sit on the tracks the ghosts of those children will push you over and you're supposed to be able to put flour on your bumper and see handprints from the children which i think that part's a load of malarkey uh, but the pushing part is interesting so and this is why it was me my mom uh, my aunt and my uncle and my mom my uncle and i we're all i mean definitely skeptic my mom doesn't want to see anything paranormal like physically see it uh, even doing this little thing here this in this story freaked her out and she believes that because she truly doesn't want to see anything she's just absolutely not going to see anything she's completely closed off to it which I agree with that uh, my uncle is more of a skeptic than I am as in like he's not intrigued he just flat out doesn't believe in the paranormal and he is very factual well educated uh, you know he's gonna if, if he believes something he can back it up with evidence and fact generally speaking so and then there's me, who I've already said I'm somewhat of a skeptic. And this was in high school before I was really much open to the paranormal. This was when I was more afraid of it. And so it freaked me out then. And we get there to the railroad tracks about midnight. We'd been up there on a road trip. I think it was like 
New Year's, we're taking a trip, and so my mom pulls up, and she's driving, uh, she was in her, we were in her Forerunner, her SUV, it's kind of a heavy vehicle, and we've got four, you know, three adults, and then a high schooler uh, in it, so we pull up, and she stops at that, at the white painted X that's before every railroad track, puts her SUV in neutral, lets her foot off the gas, and we start rolling forward. And we roll up and over the tracks. And I say up and over because leading up to the railroad tracks, when you get to that X, it's kind of at the base of a small hill. Kind of steep, honestly, but it's small nonetheless. And so you have to go up against gravity, up this hill to the top of the railroad tracks and back down. And physics doesn't make sense that a, a heavy SUV full of people can stop and then roll forward like that and go up a hill. So, you know, that's pretty crazy. But then my uncle brings up a point that <clears throat> I guess there's a there's a mechanism. I don't know much about this, but it, I mean, I'm not really a gearhead. But he says in, in, in cars that if you're in neutral and you take your foot off the brake, there's a mechanism that'll push your car forward just on its own. And, I mean, it makes sense. I, I just, you know, I've been in neutral before and I start rolling. And, I mean, that could be simple gravity. But all the same, we're like, all right, fair point pull back around we try it again stop at the x but this time my mom takes the key out of the ignition entirely so the car is off and we're there and she lets her foot off the brake and there we go up that hill again up the hill over the tracks down the other side rolling cruising and then my uncle's wired because he's like how the heck is this happening so we get around we pull back around again because he wants to do a little test so he takes a bottle of water and he gets out and gets at the top of the track or the top of the little hill like on the tracks pours the water and and watches it trail down away from the tracks like behind us and that's that's what i can't explain you know everything says we should roll backwards everything says we shouldn't go up that hill but then we stop the car and turn it off entirely there is no mechanisms other than the brakes themselves which are released and we rolled over that hill and uh someone recently brought up to me there could be a magnetic something in the railroad tracks that could pull the car which that's believable you know i don't know enough about railroad tracks but it's logical enough that i could believe that and being somewhat of a skeptic i'm more prone to believe that than ghost pushed us but it's still an odd event all the same because i don't know enough to explain it it's odd to me and uh so those are my two stories uh i've got one more i wouldn't necessarily classify it as paranormal i would definitely say this one was more odd than anything and uh this happened more recently just in the past few months because uh, right now i work at a in a department store as an overnight stalker i unload the truck yada yada and so it's like i go in about three in the morning and i'm driving through a good 20 to 25 minutes of rural texas just open fields there's cows and horses and very heavily wooded areas but where i work is a pretty dense city it's tyler texas and it's it's kind of small but it's dense they have a lot in there a lot of shopping centers uh, houses schools and i grew up in houston so i'm used to packed areas but this area is is packed so you get in there there's not much trees and i lay this all out because i was running late one morning so it's it's a little after three o'clock in the morning and i mentioned that because i know that's an odd time just for strange things to happen and there's a there's one road that's very straight like you can see pretty much the whole way down except for some slight hills but even then they don't block much they just kind of block the actual street itself and it's not very well lit there's maybe 
three street lights along the whole length of the road. And so I'm coming up, I'm at a stoplight, and a good two to three hundred yards ahead of me, one of those street lights is, is illuminating just a single corner. And I'm sitting there, and the shape comes into that light. And I'm, I'm looking at it, because it's, it's a pretty good distance away. Can't see it really hardly, but the way it moved was really strange. I would, you know, I'm likely to think that it's a deer or a dog, because we're in a neighborhood area, you know, we're in... Texas, kind of around some rural areas, there are going to be some deer, uh, and so that's that's my first thought. But I'm watching it move, and as it comes into the light, it takes a good three bounds. That's I'm going to call them bounds. It like kind of leaps in, and every bound is an exaggerated arc. It's almost like it hang. It has too much airtime, and I don't know how to how else to explain that. It's just and it's got it just looks incredibly thin like very long legs and a very very lean body and then it stops in the light on the corner and it's like it's a, it's on alert it stops and it's looking and the way it stances it's kind of leaned forward you know that aggressive stance kind of like a doberman it's very forward ears up and the lines are very much like a doberman just harsh back and straight up pointed ears down and very square muzzle but this thing doesn't I mean, I guess it could have easily just been a Doberman, but the proportions looked all wrong from what I could see. And the only reason I don't question the clarity of what I saw is because it was dark all the way, and then there's this light spot, and it's kind of raised up, that area is, and so it's a very clear view of what was right there. And then it's just trees behind it. Uh, So I came up on that spot, and the thing is gone. It took off way before I could get there. But I'm looking, and there's not a very heavily wooded area. It's surrounded by apartments and houses. So I don't know what could potentially be living there. And what I have in my memory of the creature, I tried to Google some animals to see what might be. I just Googled, like, long-legged wolf or deer. And the thing the closest to my memory that came up is it's called a maned wolf. And if you've never seen a picture of one, it's just essentially a lean wolf with really, really long legs. Like, think giraffe legs almost kind of look it's just an odd looking creature very tall um and i'm almost positive those don't live near me so i don't know what that was i wouldn't venture to say that it was paranormal ghost spirit but it was very weird and uh, that's the stories i have uh just hope you enjoyed my stories and hopefully i can hear them on the next podcast And in honor of the animal ghost stories we've had so far in episode number 301, I'm going to read some ghost story, dog ghost stories from some time back. This first one was a ghost story shared in December of 1890 by James Durnham. A Ghost and His Ghost Dog James Durnham, 1890, the UK I was a night watchman at the old Darlington and Stockton station, at the town of Darlington, a few yards from the first station that ever existed. I was there fifteen years. I used to go on duty about 8 p.m. and come off at 6 a.m. I had been there a little while, perhaps two or three years, and I was about forty years ago. One night during the winter, about 12 o'clock or 12.30, I was feeling rather cold with standing here and there, and I said to myself, I will away down and get something to eat. There was a porter's cellar with a fire that was kept, and a coal house was connected with it. So I went down the stairs, 
took off my overcoat, and just sat on the bench opposite the fire and turned up the gas when a strange man came out of the coal house, followed by a big black retriever. As soon as he entered, my eye was upon him, and his eye was upon me, and we were intently watching each other as he moved on to the front of the fire. There he stood looking at me, and a curious smile came over his countenance. He had a stand-up collar and a cutaway coat with gilt buttons and a scotch cap. All at once he struck at me, and I had the impression that he hit me. I was up with my fist and struck back at him, but my fist seemed to go through him and struck against the stone above the fireplace and knocked the skin off my knuckles. The man seemed to be struck back into the fire and uttered a strange, unearthly squeak. Immediately the dog gripped me by the calf of my leg and seemed to cause me pain. The man recovered his position, called off the dog with a sort of click of the tongue. Then he went back into the coal house, followed by the dog. I lighted my dark lantern and looked into the coal house, but there was neither dog nor man, and no outlet for them except for the one that they had come in by. I was satisfied that I had seen a ghost, and I brought this topic up to the man who owned the place where I was sitting. The next day, and for several weeks later, my account caused quite a commotion, and a host of people spoke to me about it. Among the rest, old Edward Pease, father of the railroads, and his three sons, John, Joseph, and Henry. Old Edward sent for me to his house and asked me all particulars. He and others put the question to me, Are you sure you weren't asleep and having a nightmare? My answer was quite sure, for I had not been a minute in the cellar, and I was just going there to get something to eat, and I was certainly not under any influence of alcohol. My mind at that time was perfectly free from trouble. What increased the excitement was the fact that a man a number of years before, who was employed in the office of that station, had committed suicide, and his body had been carried into that very cellar. I knew nothing of this circumstance, nor of the body of the man, but Mr. Pease and others who had known him told me my description was exactly what his appearance was, and the way he was dressed, and also that he had a black retriever, just like the one that gripped me. I should add that no mark or effect remained on the spot where I seemed to be seized by the dog. The next story is called The Grey Dog of a Birmingham, UK House. According to a story current in the Midlands, a house in Birmingham, near the Roman Catholic Cathedral, was once very badly haunted. A family who took up their abode in the 1880s complained of hearing all sorts of uncanny sounds, such as screams and sighs, coming from a room behind the kitchen. On one occasion, the tenant's wife, on entering the sitting room, was almost startled out of her senses at seeing, standing before the fireplace, the figure of a tall, stout man with a large gray dog by his side. What was so alarming about the man was his face. It was apparently a mere blob of flesh without any features in it. 
the lady screamed out, whereupon there was a terrific crash, as if all the crockery in the house had been suddenly clashed on the stone floor. And a friend of the lady's, attracted to the spot by the noise, saw two clouds of vapor, one resembling a man and the other a dog, which, after hovering over the hearth for several seconds, finally dispersed altogether. A gas fitter, while working on the house, saw the same figures no less than nine times, and so distinctly that he was able to give a detailed description of both the man and the dog. The house seems to have been well known in Birmingham, and was certainly standing as recently as 1885. Many theories were advanced to its history, the one gaining the most credence being that it was occupied in 1829 by a man who supplied the medical students with human bodies. It was noticed at the time that many people who were seen to enter the house in the company of the owner were never seen to leave. No suggestion has been offered to the account for the animal, which may very easily have been the phantom of the murderer's dog, or, what is rather less likely, the dog of one of his numerous victims. Anyhow, explanation or no explanation, the fact remains, the house was haunted in the manner described. And this next one is called The Dog in the Cupboard, also from the UK. Mrs. Prettyman, whom I met some years ago in Cornwall, told me she lived in a house in Westmoreland that was haunted by the apparition of a large dog enveloped in a bluish glow, which apparently emanated from within it. The dog, whilst appearing in all parts of the house, invariably vanished in a big cupboard at the back of the hall staircase. Miss Prettyman, her family, several of their visitors, and the servants all saw the same ghost. They were actually more frightened by how suddenly it appeared than by its actual appearance. The theory was that it was the ghost of some dog that had been cruelly done to death, possibly by starvation in the cupboard. And that's all I have for episode number 301. Thanks for stopping by and listening to Anything Ghost. Again, there's a 17-year archive available if you pay a one-time fee. For more information, go to anythingghost.com and then go to the Join VIP link. Okay, thanks for all your stories this time. I hope everybody enjoyed everything. And again, if you have a story to share, send it to Lex at anythingghost.com or go to the Anything Ghost website, anythingghost.com, and there's a form there you can fill out. Okay, everybody, have a wonderful March coming up and springtime coming up. And until episode number 302, take care.